Welcome to the Cookery by the Book podcast with me, Susie Chase. Hey everybody, I'm Dennis the Prescott. My new book, Eat Delicious, 125 Recipes for Your Daily Dose of Awesome, is in stores now. Six years ago, you were a musician who didn't know how to cook. Talk about your food awakening in Nashville. Yeah, you know, my my kind of food awakening started a little bit before Nashville, but Nashville was kind of when I my eyes were truly kind of opened um, to cooking. I was, a, I was a musician for about 10 years. I, you know, lived in a 15-passenger van and traveled all, all around Canada and the United States and into Europe. And, and I kind of, I, I got to experience all of these incredible foods. I, I very kind of vividly remember having, you know, a proper smoked meat sandwich in Montreal or sushi in Vancouver or pizza in New York. And it really opened my eyes, but being a musician uh, is really rich in experience and that's about it. So I couldn't afford to eat at restaurants. Um, we, my band, relocated to Nashville and I had access to this incredible, you know, comfort food of the gods in Southern barbecue. Uh, but I couldn't afford it. And I was eating pasta with butter on it and eating at the dollar menu. And I just felt terrible. Um, so I went to the Nashville public library and at a friend's suggestion, uh, I took out three cookbooks that I couldn't afford to buy them. And, and I, and three Jimmy Oliver cookbooks and I started working my way through them. And I, um, I can, became almost immediately obsessed with wanting to know everything about everything about food. Um, and I was cooking, you know, four or five dishes a day for bandmates or for, uh, roommates that I was living with at the time. And, you know, so many that I started to lose track. So I started to, you know, without any agenda at all, I started to take iPhone uh, photos of the dishes. So I would remember what I had cooked. And, uh, then Instagram happened and somebody said, Hey, you should start an Instagram account. And my first Instagram is actually a selfie. So, you know, like legit zero agenda, um, to be able to do this. It was, you know, just that I became unbelievably passionate about wanting to know everything about these foods and recreate these incredible dishes that I'd experienced as a musician on the road um, in my own home. So your Instagram kicked off because you wanted to remember what you had made? Yeah, I didn't really understand that that food and food photography was really a thing because it just had never been a part of of my experience. You know, I um, I didn't grow up in a house that, that you know, my, my I have fantastic parents who um, and I was fortunate enough to have three meals a day, but food wasn't celebrated. You know, we ate from one thing to the next thing, um, as quickly as possible. It was more sustenance than it was, uh, celebrated or delicious. And, uh, so when I started taking these photos, I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I wasn't a photographer. Uh, I had never studied photography or anything like that. And, and it was really just, you know, I was documenting my experience. Um, and then of course, after being on Instagram for a while and, and looking around, I realized, hey, wait, there's this amazing, huge community of people who are passionately in love with food and food photography. And then I was able to connect with folks that, um, you know, I, I understood and, and, and thought, wow, this is cool. I'm not just the only person doing this. You know, um, I just wasn't really aware that that was uh, kind of this micro niche of society of people who were just so in love with food and food photography. I'm curious about your maritime background. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, uh, I grew up on the east coast of Canada. Um, you know, we live about 20 minutes from uh, the Northumberland Strait, which is basically uh, 
it's an inlet of the Atlantic Ocean, and I still live here, um, and I love it. And you know, it's uh, it's a small part of the world. There's about 125,000 people in the city that I live in, which is about the biggest city uh, in the area, aside from Halifax. Um, you know, it's a small kind of uh, quiet pace of life. You know, in comparison to a lot of cities that I, that I've been fortunate enough to to visit. Um, and growing up here, I didn't, you know, so that was just life. I didn't realize that we had the food culture that we do. And now having left the Maritimes and come back after living in Nashville, um, it's just been incredible to reconnect with the, um, the food and the culture here. I, I very much believe that we have one of the best seafood um, one of the best seafood availabilities in the world. Uh, our local produce is great. There's a vibrant microbrewery scene here. Uh, obviously, we have maple syrup and the sugar shack thing. It's just it's very cool to to reconnect with that as as someone who didn't really appreciate that growing up um, and be able to kind of access uh, these local foods and then put a maritime or, or put that maritime spin onto dishes that I've eaten you know uh, globally. Where did you get inspiration for the recipes in this cookbook? It's so diverse. Did it come from your travels or did it come from uh, growing up near the sea? Both, for sure. Yeah, I, I mean, I, uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to really, uh, I guess, pay homage or, or be true to my upbringing uh, as a Maritimer and, and use a lot of Maritime ingredients and a lot of kind of Maritime um, methods for cooking, um, or, you know, and Canadian in general, you know, obviously yeah, for me as a Canadian, I felt like I, I have to put a poutine recipe in this book, of course. Um, you know, and, and that kind of thing, but we, we grew up eating lobster rolls. Um, we grew up on seafood boils, uh, and, you know, on the beach and that kind of thing. It was just such a huge part of, of, uh, maritime life and it still is. But then traveling and experiencing these different dishes, I, I wanted, you know, because those were the dishes that really I first connected with food and fell in love with, I wanted to, to um, kind of have that as an experience throughout the book. Um, you know, whether it was the first time I've, I've never been to Thailand, but I've had incredible pad Thai dishes. So I wanted to include one in there. Um, and I, you know, I'm a big believer that we eat globally when we go to restaurants, you know, we might have a burger one day and then noodles the next and sushi the next day. And then we might have a curry. So I think that people want to cook that way at home and they want to be able to recreate that dining experience at home. But, you know, with the added bonus of knowing what's in everything, uh, what the ingredients are that I'm cooking and, you know, it will probably taste just as, if not more delicious than the experience they had out at a restaurant. Another aspect of this cookbook is I feel like it gives people encouragement to go for it, that you don't have to have one passion in life. You can change uh, your own course at any moment. I think that it's easy to think, well, you know, I grew up, I grew up kind of in the music industry with this mentality of if I, if I didn't make it, whatever that means, by the time I was uh, 30, then I was kind of done. And I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't go and get a bachelor's degree in accounting or something along those lines. Um, so when I did reach that age, you know, it was devastating to a certain degree uh, because I thought, oh, well, you know, what's, and, and obviously success is, uh, is a relative term. But yeah. I, um, I got to that point where I, where I thought, okay, well, what do I do now? And then, you know, finding a creative passion, I feel really blessed to be able to have found this creative passion. Um, and to be able to do it uh, on a full-time basis. And I think that I wanted to, uh, through that story, which is just my life, it's, you know, I'm not kind of 
um, being untrue to my own very kind of vulnerable situation um, in, in creatively um, kind of failing to a certain degree and then finding a, a, a new passion through that, um, that other folks would realize, you know, you don't have to be locked into a job that you don't like. You can follow that creativity or you can find a creative passion and it doesn't need to be your job. The, the amazing thing about connecting with the food community has been that, you know, all of these folks who are online, especially on Instagram or, um, or on blogs, they love food just as much as I do. They're just as passionate about cooking delicious meals for their family, but they might be a teacher or a lawyer or a driver or whatever. Um, but they're just as passionate about that. And I think that running after passion and running after kind of that creative outlet is super important. Chapter two is devoted solely to hamburgers and sandwiches. When was the first time you ate a proper burger? I, you know, I can't remember the restaurant, but I, uh, and I grew up eating a lot of hamburgers, let me say. Um, but none of them changed my life. And I remember driving down the I-95, uh, the I sorry, I was saying 65 because I lived in Nashville, the I-95 on the way to Nashville with my dad. And we stopped at this diner on the side of the road, you know, very kind of uh, nondescript uh, without any kind of um, any agenda other than getting a lunch. And I ordered a burger and it was just cooked to perfection. And I had never had that experience before. I'd never had something where the ingredients were treated um, properly with respect. They're all high quality ingredients. It wasn't anything particularly fancy, you know, there wasn't, it wasn't topped with foie gras and, uh, you know, there wasn't like caramelized maple bacon in it or and anything like that it wasn't stuffed with cheese. It was just a normal kind of flat top hamburger, but it was just cooked so perfectly. And I thought, how could, wow, something that I'd taken for granted, something that was so kind of convenient and, um, junk food, I didn't realize it could taste so good when it was treated uh, when it was treated that way, and it really changed my perspective on those simple comfort foods and how really, really great that they can actually be. You like asking people if they could eat anything in the world, what would it be? Now, yeah. I will ask you if you could eat anything in the world, what would it be? I that changes constantly, to be honest with you, um, with me. But I just spent about a week in Rome, and I had pasta dishes there that I've I'm. You know, this was about two months ago, and I'm still thinking and dreaming about these pasta dishes. Um, it, one in particular that had uh, shaped truffles with uh, spicy sausage, house-made sausage on it. If I could have anything right now, that's what it would be for sure. That sounds like such an odd mix, the truffle and the sausage. I know, right? It, it was, it, I, and that's why I, that's why I ordered it, actually, because I thought, huh, that's interesting. Um, but it was absolutely incredible. And the, the actual house-made uh, pasta itself was just mind-blowing. I, 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 I was really struck by the fact that it was cooked as al dente as it was. You know, it, the firmness of that of that of the pasta that I experienced in Rome was almost to the point where I think a lot of folks would think it was undercooked here. Um, but it it was just really kind of inspiring um, to to eat those dishes in the you know in the place that they're they were created or, or within, you know, the region that it was created. I thought, huh, this is actually how it's done. You know, I think it's really neat to, to uh, experience those, those kind of dishes regionally. I just got back from Beijing actually um, and had a lot of dishes there that, that, you know, I had really taken for granted growing up uh, having kind of a version of that and, and eating it um, in China. I just, it, you know, it's so inspiring, especially when they're using very, very similar ingredients uh, to what you're used to, but just treating them very differently. I feel another cookbook coming. 
I, it's interesting to, to, to think about that right now, but yeah, <laughs> I'm, uh, but I'm beyond passionate about, about wanting to, to recreate those, those, uh, meals. And I, I travel, I travel to eat a lot. Um, and I'm fortunate to, enough to work with, uh, a not, not-for-profit that I really am super passionate about. And I, I spent time in Kenya last year and Somalia and, you know, there's so much incredible, inspiring food to eat all over the world. Um, and I, and I don't think that's a journey that ever ends. You know, you don't need you, know, you don't ever get to the end of food or the end of cooking or the end of photography and go, you know, I, you know, I've reached the end of the internet. I figured it all out. I that, that will just never happen. Um, so I think there's always room for growth and there's always room for inspiration. So, you know, I, I, you know, I think I would like to, to write a hundred cookbooks if I could, as daunting as a task as that sounds like right now, um, <laughs> just because I think there's endless inspiration available. Last weekend, I made your recipe for gochujang maple surf and turf on page 171. You yeah. wrote, this isn't your parents' surf and turf. How did you come up with this recipe? Uh, a lot of experimenting and a, just an absolute mad love for that hot sauce, hot paste. Um, I had it the first time I had anything, uh, gochujang, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that wrong, so I apologize Me too. to all the listeners out there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I'm, I'm 100% honest in that. Um, you know, I was in Nashville. I had a friend who, uh, Esther, she lived in Chita in Korea, South Korea for a while. And she said, hey, we should, we should go out and try Korean food. I'd never had Korean food before. It really didn't. There's a lot of Korean restaurants um, in my part of the world now, but there wasn't at the time. And I, I was like, you know, sure, I'm up for anything. And it, I just rem- I very vividly remember having bulgogi at that restaurant and, uh, and having um, a little sauce dish of this gochujang. And I, I just couldn't get over it. I thought this is, this is just the, it's so sweet and spicy and fragrant and delicious. Um, so then wanting to work with that uh, to, to create uh, a marinade, I thought this is, this is, you know, this is going to be a really cool thing. There's all the natural sugars in that, which is going to caramelize on the outside of, of uh, the steak itself. And, you know, it was through experimentation and uh, recipe development, I guess, as, as every recipe is. Um, but that one was particularly fun to, to play around with uh, just because it has so much nostalgia attached to it for me. I have to tell you, it was so stressful photographing this dish for my Instagram because you're so good at capturing every element in such a beautiful manner. And I wanted to do your recipe justice. Tell us about your food photography journey, um, the styling and how you shot the whole cookbook. Yeah, so I, I mean, my journey started, like I said, in Nashville, and it was all on an iPhone. Um, uh, you know, an, uh, one of the first iPhones, uh, and just really kind of learning uh, or, or quickly snapping a photo. There was no, there was not, no styling involved in terms of the actual image. Um, there might have been a little styling on the plate itself, um, but I didn't really understand what what food photography was all about. And I kind of, you know, progressively got a little bit better and a little bit better on my phone. And then uh, Food and Wine reached out to me and said, "Hey, would you?" consider developing 10 recipes for this column. And I was like, yeah, for sure. And then as That's soon so as I cool. got off the phone, which is crazy. And I mean, food and wine literally changed the course of what I'm doing now. Um, and, and, and I can't stress that enough, but uh, I thought, okay, this is, 
fantastic. I can't shoot this on a phone. And and the truth is, you can shoot great images on, on a phone. And 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 there, are, you know, the front cover of Bon Appetit magazine uh, has been on an iPhone a few times. I know people who photographed entire cookbooks using an iPhone. So you can shoot incredible photos. It's just at the time I didn't feel like I could do that. Um, so that's when I kind of transitioned into shooting with a DSLR and, you know, it wasn't a great one. It wasn't a high end one. And I progressively worked up in the gear world, but I'm a big believer in learning light and shadow and composition, um, over gear. I don't think people should just go out and spend a lot of money. Cause I think, you know, unless you, I, I actually wrote in the, in the cookbook in the start of it, you know, Michael Jordan didn't play like Michael Jordan cause he had really great shoes. He practiced every day. And I, I mean, even with this book, I photographed it probably four times. Um, there's about 40,000 raw images that went into the actual photos on, on this book because I wanted to get it right. And I think that, um, it's, as I said, you know, you've never figured it out. There's always room for growth. And uh, even the professional photographers in the world have really bad days and really great days. Um, but you need to take a lot of bad images to get there. Um, I remember being in the music industry and uh, I had a mentor tell me that you need to write a hundred songs to write one good song, not one hit song, but one good song. And that's yeah. always kind of stuck with me as this kind of mentality of, you know, it's, it's going to take time. It's not going to happen overnight. Nothing happens quickly. That's good. And um, so it's forced me to kind of have this unwavering, almost stubborn attitude about wanting to get progressively better uh, at taking photos and really highlighting different parts of the image in a way where it's appealing. You know, there's, there's kind of rules in the photography world that I've, I figured out for myself in terms of composition and, uh, and styling and lighting and all that kind of thing. But really all of that's happened because I failed a lot and then learned from that failure and looked back at that image and thought, okay, well, what do I, what do I not like about this? And what do I like about this? And I need to change the things that I don't like, but keep the things I do. I love how this book reflects your personality with the dark woods and antique props. I'm a big believer in shooting, um, shooting images that reflect your personality uh, as, 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 a, as a way to, to successfully kind of photograph, um, you know, in a way that kind of represents you as, as, as a person or as a creative. And, uh, you know, I'm like, I'm a pretty happy person, or most of the time anyways. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a happy person. I love life. I love talking to people. I love whatever. But I'm not like jump up on a table, shout and scream kind of guy. Like I like Radiohead. And I like, <laughs> I like, <cigarettes. laughs> I like you know, movies that make you think. I like that kind of thing. So I've always just been naturally drawn to the darker images, to the more rustic feel. Um, I also feel like it, it gives it kind of a more um, approachable and attainable real vibe. I know the word rustic is just massively overused, but I, I, I do mean rustic in the sense that it's, you're, you're getting, you know, you're having a peekaboo experience in this, what could be someone's actual dining experience. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not too clean. It's not too pretty. And it's, um, it's not, it doesn't feel staged. Cause I, I feel like if something, you know, is too staged or is too perfect, it's just going to come across that way. And then it seems like it seems less attainable, you know? Um, and I wanted these recipes to, to feel like, Hey, I, I can make this, you know, I learned from these cookbooks, and the reason I was attracted to these cookbooks that I learned from initially was because I felt like, you know, I've never made this before. It's going to take some time, but I feel like I can pull that off. 
And I wanted every, you know, I wanted all these, these recipes throughout the book to have that same kind of vibe where it was like, you know, I might not have made this dish before, but I think with some practice, I could really do this um, because of that being my own experience, you know? You also say fill the frame, but don't overfill the plate itself. What does that yes. mean? Um, it's controlled chaos. It's kind of being comfortable in the quiet. I, uh, you know, I, I'll reference the same mentor who, who um, kind of really affected me in the music world. He said, you know, it's not your job to play 15 notes really quickly. It's your job to play three and make them really count. Place three notes that someone is going to be humming in the car the next day. And um, I have used that kind of philosophy in food styling in that, you know, it doesn't have to be. And, and you know truthfully in cards on the table, sometimes I will do these images that are collages of, you know, a, a big charcuterie board and, and it is very, very filled. Um, but I think that it, that finding that controlled chaos, um, is difficult, but it's really important. You know, we view a, photo a photograph typically from the top left-hand corner to the bottom right-hand corner. Uh, we don't realize that we're doing this is just kind of a subconscious thing that, that we do when we view a photograph or a painting or whatever. Um, so understanding that I've, I've kind of, uh, I've learned a way of styling in that way so that somebody's eyes will be immediately drawn through the entire frame and not just to one part in the frame itself. Where can we find you on the web? Uh, Instagram. Every, everywhere is Dennis the Prescott, except for Twitter. Ask Prescott on Twitter, but everywhere else is Dennis the Prescott, whether it's uh, social media or my website. Food is community, and we all love delicious food. Thank you, Dennis, for coming on Cookery by the Book podcast. Thank you so much for having me.